Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today I'm joined by artist and miniaturist Lauren P. Dodge to talk about Southern Gothic horror. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to chat with you today. I love talking about Southern Gothic literature, and I um, I just I don't find the opportunity uh, present itself as much as I would hope. So I'm so stoked to chat with you today. (laughs) I am very excited to talk to you. I found your TikTok, I want to say a year or two ago, and I was like, I am in love with this. And then I noticed that there were little book nods here and there. And I was like, wait, did she mean to do that? Is that a nod to I'm like, it is okay. Yeah, girl, I don't know if you had this like the um, these diorama projects in school, um, like where you would do a book report with like a diorama. And I like just had this. I ha- I loved those growing up. And I just had this aha moment where I'm like, Oh, my God, I'm literally assigning myself like book reports with like a giant diorama. That's essentially what this project is. It's like to help me, like, um, it gives me focus. Um, cause there's so many amazing books, like your, your TikTok alone. I'm like, I have never heard of any of these. Like there's so many cool horror stories out there, but it's so hard to like figure out which one to dive in first. I have so many books that I've like started, but haven't gotten into. So this art project has given me those, those, uh, those wheels, you know, to be like, you just do these five for a bit, you know, get your focus on. So, yeah. So how did you get into it? Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I've been asked this question a lot and every time like I answer, it's a little bit different. And so I'll, I'll, it's like, there's a lot of little pieces that kind of fell into place um, and like little vignettes. So I'll tell you a couple of vignettes. So there's a moment when I was in Santa Monica a few years ago and I was like, you know, I had just moved from Austin to California and I was doing like my free girl, like in my twenties thing where I was like driving for a couple hours and then just like being by myself and exploring. And, and I found this, um, this place called angels attic. I don't think it's there anymore, but it's like this, it was this old, um, beautiful little Victorian house in the middle of like Santa Monica. So random. And it was just full of all of these dollhouses, these like really old dollhouses. And um, the guy that was curating this, he was um, a set designer for the Pantages Theater. Um, And so the woman who had all these dollhouses, she came, she had come from like Gilded Age money, right? So like she had like her grandmother like started collecting all these like 17th century, like, like incredible dollhouses. And so I chat with him over tea. Cause like literally no one else was in there. And he just showed me around. I was like, this is actually like super incredible. So that was like my first moment of being like, wow, you know, dollhouses are actually pretty dope. You know, <laughs> like, um, each of them had like a little story, a little history, and, um, you know, some of them were models of actual houses and they were really fascinating. Um, so that was like a little, a little thing that like just popped up that was really interesting. The other bit is I am really into Halloween and I go all out for Halloween. And I have a background in like set design and I love production design. And so every year I really like to put on like, I, I start around June or July where I'll start planning like what my theme is going to be. Like I go all out, yeah, <laughs> all out. Um, and so I, um, I just couldn't put any on right for the past couple of years. I'm like, where am I going to channel all this like spooky, like production type of energy? 
And my last one that I did, it was so funny because I'm sorry, I'm like, I feel like I'm just like talking, talking, talking. I swear to God, I'll, I'll take a pause. But um, the last one I did was I find I found that I was like, I would have an idea um, for a theme. And then like American Horror Story would like come out with like, a, I'm like, God damn it. That's my literally my theme. So my last one was um, like 1980s, like summer camp slasher. Right. And I was like, God damn it. Um, Ryan Murphy's listening and like in your walls. No, I like, know. What is she doing this year? I'm that's the theme. And what's so funny is like, okay, so that was my last one I did. And then I was like, after, after I put it on, um, I had to tear it down. It was like months of building this like thing in my house. And I was like, if I do a dollhouse, I'll never have to tear it down. I should just do that. But this year, um, or this past year, I was like, okay, so we're definitely not doing a, a um, Halloween party. And we're definitely like, I'm still doing this dollhouse. Um, it's like, but I need, like, I would really love to do something kind of spooky. And so we bought a house in the Cape, in Cape Cod. And like, and so we're renovating this old house in the Cape. And um, I'm like looking into all this history in the Cape. And then American Horror Story comes out with this freaking like, are you familiar with like all of the, the new themes that they come out with? They came out with like the Cape Cod freaking like American artist. I was like, you gotta be kidding. Anyway, um, so that's that's another vignette, another thing that that got me into it. And miniatures are just super cool, right? Like yeah. they're so fun. I love it. I also wanted to ask, like, when you watch things like hereditary and sharp objects where there's a character that makes miniatures, do you find that it's realistic? Um, so I like <laughs> I, I hate uh, when people connect my stuff to hereditary. I know it's like such a silly thing. It was like hereditary lady. I'm like, oh my God, shut up. I hate it. I hate it so much. But um, I do love the sharp objects, but I think it's super interesting. Like it's that like fourth wall thing where it's like, like as I'm doing, as I'm doing this art piece, it's like this, the layer before that of the person that's doing the art piece. Um, and I like to keep that pretty blank, right? Like I, I see myself as a production designer and like I have this creativity flow through me, like through my interests, but like as me as like the character of like the thing itself, like it wigs me out a little. So when I, maybe that's why I don't like the hereditary things. I'm like, she had some issues that she was really working through and I don't feel like I have that like yeah. <laughs> as I'm, I'm building this. But what I love about sharp objects is like, she had some issues and that was fascinating. And I love that. And so if I think of like that character interacting, like that would be not necessarily me, but that fourth wall person, like making the dollhouse, I much prefer sharp, sharp objects over hereditary, maybe because hereditary just seems like maybe it would be too close because we all have issues, right? Maybe I'm working through my issues. <laughs> <you know? laughs> You're like, there's something about that comparison. I don't, I don't, yeah, like. I don't know. It just like rubs me the wrong. It's like, that's a really freaky movie though, too. It like, it legitimately scares me. Um, whereas like Sharp Objects is just kind of a fun, spooky, like twisty kind of story that I just, I really, I, and I, I, I never want to like, cause it's such a good twist and it's like a twist that I put in my dollhouse and I never yeah. want to like ruin it for anyone. But oh, mm -hmm. I love that book. I have a question from a Patreon supporter. Oh, yeah. Witchy Fingers, who says, I've always wanted to build a dollhouse, but it's just not realistic for me. What would be your advice for building some sort of smaller scale miniature, like a haunted room or an object? Yeah, that's actually what like the first thing I, I would say is like a dollhouse is when I got. OK, so I was doing a little day drinking and I was doing a little online shopping. Um, so this is the third vignette of how I got into this. And I love 
like giving myself Christmas presents that like, it's all self-love. And so I did that with the dollhouse and I was like, I'm going to have this banged out in like two months. It's going to be so great. Like how sweet and innocent of me. That was two years ago. Right. So, um, I find like, this is going to be a project that's probably going to be like a five-year project. Right. Um, because I want it to be so like, I want it to be diorama level, like, like truly realistic, but big in a dollhouse. Um, so I always recommend um, starting with what they would call it a, a room box, right? Um, and I've started doing things in bell jars. That's just like a tiny little vignette um, where you don't even have to worry about like the structure around it. You can just like have like a figment of an idea and you can just like put it in a little bell jar and then you can collect a little, like a few of those. Um, so that's what I do when I wanna just do a little vignette as a bell jar, but a room box or like, if you get, if you want to get really creative, um, I also got like an old clock and if you just like gut the clock, anything that like makes a little, you know, box of a sort, um, and just think through like, what kind of story do you want to tell? You know, um, like, why is it in the clock or why isn't it, why is it in a bell jar? And yeah, like, what is the world you're just, you're trying to build? And world building has been so interesting. This is really the first time that I've ever truly world built. And I started all of this as like, you know, when I read books, I always, this actually happened like in making the dollhouse. It was after I read um, the elementals and like, I always, I'm like, you have this very vivid idea of what this place looks like. And so I always hop on Google and I'm like, what does it look like? What art have, have people made? Or like, is there a movie yeah. that I can like see it, you know? And like, I couldn't, and it was just driving me crazy. And I was like, well, I'm going to make it so I can like kind of visualize what that looks like. Right. Um, and so like, as I got into it, like I started, I'm like, what are my favorite books? Like, what are things I just want to see, um, that I can't because it's not a movie yet, maybe. Um, but then after doing that, um, try like thinking through like, how can I connect all of these now? And then that kind of starts generating a different story that um, is not just like a reflection of the books you read, but um, you know, the things that you just wanna see brought to life. So a room box, that's my long answer. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that was helpful, but um, I will say, try to, try to do it in 12th scale. And what that means is um, an inch it equals a foot, right? So okay. like one inch scale. Um, I recommend that because um, you'll find a lot more things for sale at that, at that scale. It's a dollhouse scale. Um, play scale is a little bit bigger. It's like where kids are able to, um, to play with it. And then you have like quarter inch scale, which is a little smaller. I know it gets really Tiny. complicated, but like, yeah. And it gets even like, there's micro, there's all these scales. Um, but that's another question I get a lot is like, how do you like do it to the scale? Just pick your scale. Um, and one, one inch equals one foot is truly like, just, it helps conversion like so much and you can buy so many things on like eBay and stuff at that scale. So yeah. I recommend doing that. That's very cool. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask, why Southern Gothic? What is the appeal? Oh, my God. There's so many things. Um, I mean, so when I start like any of the, these like projects um, or like the, the Halloween theme, right, I go through like a catalog of stuff that I've already explored and I've already explored a lot. And Southern Gothic is like one of those things I hadn't really yet. So it was like up for the running. And then but then I really thought about it and I was like, 
feel like a dollhouse really goes pretty well with like the whole, you know? Um, and then I was really thinking about like, you know, uh, was it Henrik Ibsen's The Dollhouse and like all of these, like, what does a dollhouse really mean? And like, and thinking about like the beautiful and grotesque and kind of like warped, you know, and like the feminism, like that could really be under like Southern Gothic. Um, I felt like, and like me being literally trapped like, and feeling like the oppression of my own four walls. Um, I felt like it was just a really perfect thing to like create a story of, you know, a woman that lives in this house um, that in Southern Gothic and, and just Gothic uh, literature, like with, um, I mean, anything like Edgar Allan Poe, like the fall of the house of Usher and that kind of stuff. It's like the symbolism of a, of a house. Um, and the decay of grandeur is just mm -hmm. like, and like the, the, the house as a character itself in the Southern Gothic literature is really, really interesting. And I don't really like dolls. I really like, um, like anything that's, that's really drawn me to like set design is like, where you can see the story without having to see like the action, like the, the residuals, um, which I feel like Southern Gothic is all about is like, maybe there was a murder, maybe there was, you know, a rape, maybe there was like just something really awful that happened that is just haunting the house, mm -hmm. but you don't really see that. You just see like the, the reverberations of that. And I think that's really cool to explore um like in like a physical house like what what is the residual so that's it kind of just matched up you know it really does it is the perfect genre to pair up with a, a dollhouse what's your sure. favorite what's your favorite thing about southern gothic what what draws you to it i love that they usually have eccentric characters and it is kind of about sins of the past usually like either coming back to haunt you or coming back for revenge or needing to be heard I just watched a documentary on Shudder a few months ago. It was on Folklore. It was like Days Dark and Woods Bewitched. I got that wrong. I know. It's a long title. I love Folklore, by the way. Yes. Well, they had a section on like, here are other subgenres within Folklore. And they're like, Southern Gothic is a part of that. You're dealing with like the ancient trying to live in this modernity and the like push and pull of that and especially when you're dealing with stories that have voodoo or spiritualism and like that vein of southern gothic and i remember thinking i did not think of that but yeah southern gothic is under the folk horror umbrella yeah 100 percent um and like you mentioned voodoo right and so like there's also an element like so i started because i was i've been trying to think of like what's the magic that exists right within this house because it has to have like magic and that folk magic is such a is such a linked concept to like the drive of the story. So I started doing some um, research into voodoo and hoodoo. And I realized like as a white artist, this is actually not my space at all because like voodoo and hoodoo are very much tied to um, like black ancestry, right? Mm -hmm. And so like thinking about like, okay, well, like how can I bring in like what kind what other kind of magic, right? Like that exists or like, can it be like bastardized versions of, of things that maybe like um, a white woman should not be touching and is like bringing into the house? Like what is that relationship to like this magic that is 
I, I don't share it right at all, like voodoo, but even like Southern magic, like I don't have family that's like super connected to it. So I'm on the hunt right now to really try to figure out like and do some justice to the kind of magic that I want to bring into the house. Um, because right now I'm, I'm, um, I'm thinking through, so like how I have the house set up is like, I started like all the rooms kind of have a reflection of my favorite books. Right. Mm -hmm. But now I want like a through line, like where those elements exist, but now there's like an actual story. And so I'm thinking about this woman who lives there and is like very, very much set as like a rose for Emily. Like I think of this woman as like kind of the heart of it. Like someone who is just cannot like let things go. Like she needs to like keep her lovers or daughter or like her pets. Like she keeps them in a freezer, like, like your books, (laughs) you know? know? Um, And then like, well, like, okay, so how can I like kind of grow on that? Like, okay, so this relationship with her daughter, which is very much like shark objects, right? Like how is she able to keep her daughter in this house? Um, and that would be the magic. So what does that magic look like? Um, and I'm still kind of figuring that out. And it's been so fun. And I think a lot of it too is like this project is, I don't, I am not an expert in the genre at all. Like, again, this project is giving me like the rails to, to like read and then try to fit like it, these things into an imaginary puzzle that I've made for myself, like to try to like find my own through lines. Um, And so like, as I read um, and keeping that question open of like, well, why does she do this? I can then be like inspired by a book that um, like a recent one I I read, it was like um, this woman who's struggling with dementia. I'm like, holy shit. Oh my God. If this woman has dementia and she's like trying to keep her, like the spirits of her like loved ones in this house. And she starts to like mentally unravel like what would that month before she died look like where she doesn't realize that her daughter is actually dead you know what I mean like just really fun kind of kind of questions to answer anyway what's your favorite book from the genre I'd love to know how to think I was looking through a lot of the books you mentioned that you sent me over and there's a lot that aren't even really in the horror genre specifically but are still like southern gothic like I love Swamplandia I love Their Eyes Were Watching God I love Beloved um a really fun one that I read recently is the new and improved Romy Futch I don't know if you've heard of that no I'm gonna write that one down but it's about this like down on his luck taxidermist whose wife has left him and he hasn't gotten over it um but he signs up for this experiment where they like enhance his brain and download all this information into his brain and he becomes this like superhuman like smart crazy person but he's a taxidermist and the whole book he's obsessed with this like giant feral hog that he knows is around here somewhere like in his like swamp so weird I love it It it's so so weird weird. I love it you said the new and improved Romy Futch Futch F-U-T-C-H yeah either or there's also a lot of really good movies that are under the southern gothic umbrella Mm, they are they really are um what are your faves I really like the skeleton key. I I do too. It is so underrated. That movie is so sick. I love that movie so much. It's so good. Okay. 
I was going to say, I have not revisited it in a long time, so I don't know how well it holds up. But in my memory, it's a great movie. Oh, it's so good. And I don't know if you like play those like hidden object games. I love like corny hidden object games, but it reminds me so much of like the vibe of some of those like Southern Gothic-y like, like haunted hidden object games. It's just like so unapologetically like Southern Gothic. You got your spooky mansion. It's in a swamp. Got your ghosts. Got your like creepy old people. Like it's so good. Angel Heart was another one that I haven't revisited in a long time. Um, Is Angel Heart with Mickey Rooney or Mickey Rourke? Not Mickey Rourke. Yeah, Yeah, Mickey Rourke, not Mickey (laughs) (laughs) O'Rourke. Different people. Mickey Rourke. Yeah, yeah. I remember watching that one too. Yeah, I should revisit that one. That one was a decent one too. Interview with the Vampire. Now that movie really made an impression on me. One I saw on Shudder recently, I wouldn't call it horror but eve's bayou i don't know if you've seen that i watched that recently um a couple years ago and i because like i've been looking up i'm like there's just not enough there's just not enough like southern gothic out there and like there's not enough southern gothic like in new orleans which is just drives me crazy because new orleans is so beautiful and it's so spooky and i there's just so much like beautiful culture and history in new orleans Um, but there's just, there's really not enough. I think, I feel like interview with the vampire, um, is like the, the ultimate, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you, yeah, I'm like thinking I'm like Dracula 2000, uh, does take place during Mardi Gras. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. As does Candyman 2. Oh, indeed. Absolutely. Um, where was hush, hush, sweet Charlotte? Where was that? Um, but yeah, no, I'm like, I'm looking at this list that I have and I'm like, yeah, it's just not enough. Just have you seen Justified, the Justified show? No, it's really I would write that one down. It's really, really good. It's like it has all the elements of like it's a mystery. It's this guy who um, was put in prison like in the 90s um, and he was like rotting away there for like 20, 20, 30 years, 20 years. And he and he comes back out and like, you know, under the idea that he had murdered his girlfriend and so it's a whole like did he do it did he not do it but it's like him like um and uh, they live somewhere in the south but it's him like kind of trying to figure out you know did he do it he doesn't remember right because I think he was Uh like drunk at the time and and just and trying to like you know just god he had like he was a teen in the 90s and like he comes out like today and he's like I don't even know how to like even deal with the world so I love that I think it's one of like the better like it's it's a really subtle it's one of those more subtle modern southern gothic I know people said true detective yeah true detective yeah yeah I get a lot of that like have you seen true detective I'm like yeah it's fine (laughs) I mean I really love I love Matthew McConaughey he's like he's an Austin boy you know I feel mm-hmm. I feel a connection to him. I have so many funny stories about him. Uh, just the funny stories I've heard from friends, right? Like living in Austin. He has, I don't know if he still does this, but an old roommate of mine told me that like when he, like when his brother is like really good friends with them, there's this trailer park um, like by um, Barton Springs where they have like ACL Fest. It's kind of a fancy bougie like trailer park right now. It's like, um, I, I hope it's still around because it is like it's it's just so so perfect. It's right next to Chewy's, and he had a trailer in there, and he said he would go visit him um, with his brother, and he'd be like outside, like without a shirt on, just like weightlifting rocks, 
And they would like come, they would come and be like, Hey, what's up? And you like, give him like a Lone Star. And he was just like super chill outside his trailer. (laughs) Austin, He's just such a cool dude. He seems like such a cool dude. Gives off that vibe. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's a professor now at UT. Um, I think like in like TV film or something like that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I think. A case could be made that Texas Chainsaw Massacre is Southern Gothic. There's a lot of like decay and social anxieties and class tensions. Yeah. What are what's your thoughts on on that? That franchise? I don't know. It's not a franchise I hold super near and dear to my heart. And the sequels are have you seen the sequels? They're like all over the place. <laughs> Tonally. Like there's some very serious ones and then there are some that are just like so campy, balls to the wall. Like the one with Matthew McConaughey, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. Um, That's wild. That was like a wild, campy movie. I grew up with like, remember the hitchhiker in the first one that was like, ah, like hitting the, Um, I grew up with his son. And really? so, yeah, and always kind of creeped me out. His name was Preston. He was cool. Um, but yeah, he, it was, yeah, that, that's my, and I'm not a big fan of Texas. I'm not a huge fan of gore, I think. Um, I mean, it's definitely, it's, a the franchise is, is, is cool. And it's like based off of like the whole, like Ed Gein thing. Um, but I, I, I don't like gore. Like gore for me is just like, I, I like the spookiness. Like I, mm-hmm. the, like a lot of people will say like, I'm more of like the others, like the movie, the other kind of like, you know, that's kind of my vibe. Um, yeah, but it's pretty cool. It has, it's, it's got its place in the horror genre for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, have you heard of Alamo draft house? Yes. Cool. So Alamo, like it started in Austin and they would like, so that they've like, they've exploded. They're like all over the U S now. Um, but they would have these movie nights, um, that were like immersive. And I remember I didn't go, I really wish I did, but they showed Texas chainsaw, like at the house, um, that they filmed it. Yeah. They were, they did like crazy. They did some really fun stuff. Um, I think they showed like jaws, like in the lake, right. Where you watch it, you know, um, but yeah, that sounds pretty rad. I love that immersive stuff. (laughs) I think I'd be freaking out. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I know, but it's like, I feel like you've read so many of these scary stories and like, I've also it, like, so into it. It's like, how do you get that thrill after you've like, like, we're like <laughs> at a point where we're almost academic with it, you know? And it's like, how do you get that? Like, like where you're like, you know, like you get all scared. Um, Cause I just don't scare as easily these days, I think. But I love stuff that, I mean, the, the gore stuff always, like, I just, I can't, I'm like, it's makeup, it's makeup, right? Like I can't deal <laughs> Um, but it's like the ones that have like the twists, which is why I think I really like Jillian Flynn right now. I'm just like, can she not write fast enough? Like, where are her books? Why isn't she giving us more? I need it. Yeah, I don't know. I definitely would like more from her, but she also wrote like three perfect novels. And I'm like, like, I guess when you have a perfect record, like, do you want to pass that up? So I get it. On one hand, I get it. Yeah, it's so funny. But you have so many interesting, okay, so I have, like, I think there's a Japanese word for it, like, a literal word for, like, when you keep books in piles throughout your house, like, you just don't have room, like, in your shelves anymore, you just have these, like, random piles of books, (laughs) case in point, right, (laughs) like, just, like, um, I have so many books, and, like, but when I watch your TikToks, I'm, like, God, she has all these rad 
um, books I've never like they they seem very modern like I have a list of like the OG stuff right um, but I'm so curious about any other books that you recommend that you feel like are really like maybe even loosely associated with some of the themes that you see like through Southern Gothic that might be really interesting to to connect or to explore I'd love to take one of those books and put it in the house there's a few I mean well we can definitely start talking books <laughs> Yeah, we can yeah. go in and out of it, you know. Well, like the first book I picked, I think really fits this well, especially when we're talking about the decay of grandeur. Uh, but when the reckoning comes by Latanya McQueen, I think this came out twenty twenty. I want to say, um, but this is about a woman named Mira who left her segregated hometown uh, as soon as she could. Um, her childhood best friend, Celine, was mocked because she was white and Mira was black and she got bullied for being friends with the black girl. And Mira is coming back for the first time in years because Celine is getting married and she's asked Mira to be in the wedding, but she's having the wedding at uh, a local plantation that mm, has been yeah. renovated. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. I've been seeing a lot of that actually right now, like all kind of all over TikTok where it's like, but guess what? They had their wedding on a plantation. It's like, why don't people understand that this is not okay? No. And I think if you're struggling understanding why, but like this is a good book where like it really explains like this is this is why it is not comfortable. And I mean, in the book, it gets so much worse. Like it's, yeah, renovated to be this really nice resort, but then it's just this uncomfortable experience because they're serving like antebellum cocktails and all of the wait stuff is black and it is like not a good look this is feeling icky like no not wanting to attack you at all right but if you're not feeling super cool about this then I recommend maybe reading a book like this it'll help you like with the empathy there because yeah <laughs> god no they're really beautiful. They really are. I mean, like these plantations because they're old and the trees are gorgeous and like, mm -hmm. but, and it feels spooky and all that stuff. Like, but it's, you really need to like sit with that. Right. And like what this place truly was, you know? So yeah, in the story, she's in this plantation, she's getting just like increasingly uncomfortable. And she kind of had a bit of a supernatural run in at this plantation back when it was abandoned and like run down with her friends. Um, so she's already kind of like has issues with this place as it is. Um, but now she feels that much more. And uh, let's just say history wants to be remembered and it does not want to be taken over. And it, it will be. That sounds really, really good. Thank you for that. That's awesome. I, like as you mentioned this, like and I kind of talked a little bit about it earlier is like the, the house as a character right the haunted house as a character what are some of your favorite haunted house books oh I have a lot I really like obviously house of leaves is like the top oh my god <laughs> I have tried reading that book so many times but every time I read it I'm like I feel like I'm going out of my mind okay should I should I just finish it you should build a house that is like the oh house of leaves house it just doesn't make any crazy. sense <laughs> Yeah. Physically make it bigger on the inside than the outside. I got you, girl. I will do that. <laughs> what I love about that book, though, is like, I love that, like, he uses 
like the words and like the book itself as like an immersive experience. Like mm-hmm. he like totally, it's like, how can I use this medium like of a book to tell a story? Like that's not just like perfect lines on the page. Like I love that about that. Okay, House of Leaves. Maybe I'll get back into it. So what is your first pick? So there's a few books that, like I mentioned, I absolutely love that I'm like hinging everything off of. Um, A Rose for Emily. I'm just like, guys, read this. Read. It's a short story. It's like you can get it for free online. It's a PDF. Super amazing. I love A Rose for Emily. Um, Shirley Jackson is like my lady. I absolutely love her. I mean, like The Haunting of Hill House. I'm always like House of House on Haunted Hill and Haunting of Hill House. I always get them mixed up, but I just, I I just got, right. It's like, it's, it's a house, it's on a hill and it's haunted, like one of those. And they're both great. Um, but we have always lived in this castle. Um, so it's, it's not like a haunted house per se, but it's like, it has kind of a great gardens feel to it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I, I love this book so much and I only read it like in the past, like couple years. Um, but there's so many like elements to it that have really like just struck me. And so especially like, shoot, why can't I think of the book that it reminds me of Miss, Mrs. Havisham, Great expectations. Great expectations. So Miss Havisham. And then like, when I think of the, the dinner like that. Oh yeah. I love that. Both of them. Like, I'm like, if, so what I would love to do is like put both of them together. Right. Like, what would it feel like and look like if this woman was living with this dinner that just like, she never cleaned up, but like, I don't want to like ruin the story. Cause like, it like tells you in the first like chapter, that's like a very tragic thing happened to this family based off of some sugared, um, uh, blueberries. Right. Like, I just, I love that, that, um, that visual. And another visual is like, after all of this sh- like shit went down um, and like, you know, they represent to this town, like, cause they're the, the fancy people live on the top of the hill, like, and you know, the, the, the big climax happens. And then all of these neighbors are so like embarrassed by the, the frenzy they allowed themselves to like go into. So like leaving Tupperware food, like on their, on her, on her stoop, like on her um, or on their porch and then just like letting it rot. So like all of this like Tupperware of just like this, this visual of like the neighbors having like made them their like their, I don't know, scapegoat pry or whatever. Uh, I, I just love that. So yes. Um, we have always lived in the castle. Sharp Objects, I think, is my favorite Jillian Flynn one, obviously. Yeah. It's like the Munch, Munchausen's by proxy. Um, the relationship between the mother and daughter um, is really interesting. Elementals by Michael McDowell is, I just love the idea. So maybe that that could be my number one for, I'll say, for my haunted house. I love the idea of a house being consumed by a sand dune. That one too is like, usually with haunted houses, there's like a reason for it. And this one is not so much of a reason. There's no like real reason. Yeah. It's not like they did something. Yeah. Yeah, There wasn't like, you know, this like unrequited love, which I love about that stuff, obviously. Like it was, but these elementals are just like, for me, the scariest thing for me is Okay, the guy, um, Oculus, the movie Oculus, he also did House on Haunted Hill or Haunting Hill House. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
can never get them straight and all that, like the blind man or all of that. He, I think is my absolute favorite director right now. Cause like how he does the haunted house is just, and he loves haunted house stuff. The scariest thing for me is like, and I don't really believe in good or evil. I like, I, I just don't like, it's all relative, but the idea of something that is just like primal and just wanting to like consume you and like walking into the house, like as the house is like a thing, you're already dead and you don't know it yet. Right. Like it's like walking into like a stomach or walking into um, like a spider's web. Um, And, and it's like, there's nothing personal. It's just, it just is there to consume you. It terrifies me. I don't know. It's just terrifying. So scary. So the elementals for me is that because because the elementals is like when we're talking about that folk magic um, is is that intangible thing of just like they don't even know what these freaking things are. They just exist and they're just there to like, you know, eat you, I guess. So where would you rate that on the scariness scale from like freezer to room temperature? Oh, I mean, for me, like it's, it's really reverberated. So like, it's a slow burn. And so I would say like, you would think it would be mild, but it's high for me. It's super high. Um, have you seen Oculus? Yeah. You know, that like concept of like the idea that she walks into the house and like the apple scene, like where she's biting Uh, in, it's like, or she thinks she's left like but she's dead like like not to like ruin the movie or anything but like as soon as you're in the house if it can like control like your perception of everything like you're done right like uh-huh. or um the 1408 like the Stephen King 1408 it's the same thing where it's like he thought he was out of that room for years <laughs> like he wasn't he was still in the room like that just terrifies me it scares me so, so much so yeah that's hardcore freezer book for me I guess in that way um but I can go on yellow wallpaper another good one um beloved to kill a mockingbird it's not really like a horror but you know I love the um I love the the hermit the concept of hermit like why are they why are they a hermit Cause like, I always like to think of like a hermit is like, I, I believe everyone for the most part is like coming from a place of good. Right. So it's like, are they a hermit because they want to like keep people safe? Like, are they holding a secret that they don't want to like let out or did they do something they can't, I don't know. Like why, like the, the shut in and what is it, what, have, what are their houses look like on the inside? So anyway, that's, that's another reason why I'm making this house. I love the idea of like, a house that no one has walked into for many, many years. And then like they die. And like, what does it look like when the townspeople come in? Like there was this story. God, this story is like just down the street from me, San Francisco, this woman, her mother died and she like was like, you know, like you've heard it before cashing in on her checks and stuff for years. And she was just living with her mom, like dead in the house for like years. And no one knew, no one knew until finally, like, it just like, you know, came, came to be, but like her neighbors, no idea next door, you know, she's living with like the mummy of her mother. And so I I just think about that, or it's like, you just don't know what's in the house of like in the house next to you. You just have no idea. So I like exploring what that house might look like on the inside. That is fascinating. That is an interesting concept. Yeah. Well, my next pick is another Michael McDowell book i think one that you've read right called moon over babylon Mm, that's a good one tell me about your perception of it 
I really like the vengeance, the angle of revenge. So it takes place, for listeners who are unaware, it takes place in a town called Babylon, which is a sleepy southern town. It's like near a swamp. Um, And the book opens up, I would say, trigger warning for like rape and sexual assault because it it straight up opens up with that. Um, My character, Margaret Larkin, um, she becomes pregnant and then is immediately murdered. Her killer... I would say is one of the my most hated characters in like literature. Like I hated this man <laughs> so much reading this story. I was like, this man is the worst. Uh, but there is a shifting shape that is coming out of these murky waters, and uh, it wants justice. Yes, yes. Um, I am pulling a bit of that into the idea of this girl having been drowned in the swamp and like she's coming back um, for her mother in the house. And so I love that idea of that, like the vengeance in the form of uh, wet footprints. Oh, yeah. I just love that. Like that, that like visual from that book. When I think about that book, I think of the blueberry plants that just like were just done. Right. They're just done. Uh, producing like there's this like this paragraph that was that was talking about just like in like a screen where those little squares that's like in the screen like how they fill a little bit with water and how there's just like a handprint with those little like I just love that that book was that book was a lot um if if you like that book and if you hate that character then you might love and hate justified (laughs) (laughs) it's the same kind of thing right it's it's very similar michael mcdowell interesting dude he was he wrote beetlejuice he did and he was meant to write a nightmare before christmas but he like like yeah it's a little too like like, candy little nose candy happy with it (laughs) yeah um which was unfortunate so um he but you know like tragic taken from us way too soon um because his books are so like I just cannot get enough of them um I still haven't read is it Blackwater yes I told you I was gonna read it for this episode and I started the audiobook and it was like 49 hours and I'm like I will try (laughs) but I don't know (laughs) I don't think happen. it's gonna happen for me. No, no, it didn't happen for either of us. So that's okay. It means that, like it's we had good intentions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's something to look forward to. Um, have you read the Amulet? No, but it's been recommended. It, yeah, it's decent. Like so far, like Elementals have, have been my fave. But these are like mm-hmm. the three that I've read of his. Like his stuff reads like. I mean, Stephen King is like, I mean, every horror writer wants a quote from Stephen King, like, mm, I find this so scary, you know, like to put it on their cover or whatever. Like, you're like, yeah, I'm sign of approval. And, but Stephen King was like, this guy's legit. Like, I mean, it's like all over his stuff. And I can see him like Stephen King has like his own like 80s, like made for TV, like genre um, that I feel like Michael McDowell did very well, or I guess like early 90s. Um, Because reading his books make me feel like I'm like watching like a Stephen King made for TV movie. I think he also does dialogue really well. Like I really loved the I forget all character names, but in the elementals, like the teenage daughter and the dad, like I'm like, this is fun, fun, breezy dialogue. Totally. Yeah. And like he just does really good visuals. Like I think like the way that he Mm -hmm. describes things. I mean, like the heat. So, um, okay, I, I was not a huge fan of was the Melville, the um, the one with the whale, Moby Dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's like, whale a whole, there's like a whole chapter where they talk about the whiteness of the whale. 
Um, and so like in the elementals, there's a whole chapter where they talk about the heat of the South. And so like the heat is like a character in itself. And I, I fucking, I love that. Um, that chapter a lot more than I did Moby Dick. Like I totally sparked notes, Moby Dick. I was like not into it at all. That was maybe the only chapter I read was the one about like the whiteness of the whale because some symbolism is interesting, whatever. But the way that he like, it's like a whole ass chapter. And it was like, he really encapsulated like a part of the South that like makes you so lazy. I don't know if you remember that chapter. Maybe it's just me. It really stuck with me. Um, but go back and, and, and reread it because it's so good. It also made me miss the heat. Like. I moved away from Austin because it's too hot. I live in San Francisco now. It's like fat girl weather. Like I'm a little chubby. And so like, I love like the coolness of, like, you know, San Francisco. Um, but like, there's like a, like a week in, in like the South that you're like just out on the porch being like totally lazy and like, it's still hot even at night. And I miss that sometimes I, I really do. So doing this dollhouse, I think like is also another way for me to feel closer to the South, mm-hmm. which um, is a bittersweet thing. Like the South, which is, I, which I love actually about it. The South is um, dark and it has a lot of dark history um, and it's really, truly awful, but it also has some beauty um, and it's, it's, it's very nuanced. And I think that Southern Gothic specifically is very nuanced too. Um, And like just Gothic generally, like I know I read that Edgar Allan Poe, like he was really drawn to the South. And um, in many ways, people consider him to be like one of the forefathers of the Southern Gothic genre because a lot of his like themes like are seen in the South, but he, although he lived like in Baltimore, um, he considered himself to be like very much like a Southern like enthusiast at least just has a mystery in the south it's the swamp i think the swamp is a southern forest is like a theme that i that's really interesting to me forests they're so mystical there's like and all these like terrifying things that live in them and like magic and scary things and like bog witches and stuff like that um a rose for emily so faulkner Okay. Okay. So uh, Faulkner is a dude and he's pretty great. Um, I can't like, I've been like trying to read more of his stuff, but for me, I'm super ADHD. So like, if y'all have not read speaking to directly to listeners, y'all have not read all the Faulkners and all of the like Flannery O'Connors and all that. It's totally fine because it can be a lot, right? It's like, I'm not also the type, like I have friends who have um subscriptions to like you know those like black and white movie whatever's like I can't really get into it so sometimes it's really tough that's why I say read a rose for Emily it's so good it's so short and like it's like got all the good juicinesses about it and I don't want to ruin it for you so yeah so rose for Emily so there's this woman named Emily who is like she's like an old debutante um she's a bit of um, I don't, I don't like the word crone because it's not, I mean, but I will, when I'm older, I'm totally going, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to lean into it. I'm like, I'm super into the idea of being a crone, but she's like, um, what's the other word for it? Like we're like a spin, the spinster, right? I was like, going to be like a hag. <laughs> I love it all. Like I would like, tell me that I would be all of these things. I can't wait for it. So, um, she's a spinster. Um, and she comes from like, you know, old, old South money and she, her, um, 
her father is like one of the types that's like no one is like good enough for you da, da, da. and so she like got into society but like he wouldn't and she has like these daddy issues no, nothing about like her mom but anyway he dies um and then you know there's this guy that comes into town and um she's like super into him and they like go traipsing around and it's all told by the perspective of um, like the townspeople kind of looking in on her life and like, what does this look like? And she's huh. very not, not about like, she's not a progressive person. Like, I think that they try to put a mailbox on her property and she's like, I don't do mail. I mean, I get it. I hate email. Right. It's like me, <laughs> like fuck email. I hate email. But so she's like, I don't do, I don't do mail. Um, and they keep like trying to like tax her for stuff. And she's like, I don't do taxes. You know, like this woman is just like, you know, <laughs> And then like, you know, um, the guy that she's like been hanging out with like disappears and they're like, what happened to this guy? And, um, you know, there's a smell that starts coming from their house and like some stuff's going on with this woman. And oh, how much am I allowed? How much should I say about this? I don't want to ruin it for people, but you don't have to give the twist away. Uh, yeah, I don't want to give the twist because yeah. it's so good. Right. But let's just say this woman like so the the book really starts like after she dies and so they go into her house and um you know they're talking to um like her um her housekeeper and they go into her room and in the room like there's just dust like a fine layer of dust and everything and there is a surprise in her bedroom and I just like it's so grotesque and you just like it's like one of those like black and white movies that you're like about to fall asleep and you're like oh my god like they actually went there right um because they like went there at the story and this is like you know in the 40s that this was written and um you know usually they it's like an era where they don't I mean I love this shit where it's like they don't look directly at the scary thing but this one looked directly at it but like just enough to make you be like oh that's really spooky but like also just enough to to make your imagination go crazy so that's what I really love the idea. It was like, she is, let's just say she keeps things. And I love that concept. So please go read. Ooh, I am going to go read it. You said this is Faulkner. Yeah, you're going <laughs> to love it. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I'm so glad I didn't give it away either. Because like, okay. it's so good. It's like truly just a few pages. It's so, it's like so great for people like me who are super ADHD and not into like the black and white like cinema. Um, but it's so good. It's so, so, so good. So there's a quote from him that like, I mean, I think it's probably his most famous. It's like the past is not, is not, what is it? The past is not dead. It's not even past, which like, when you really like ponder on that, it's like, I think it's like, it so perfectly encapsulates, especially what was going on during the time, right? It's like, you can't move on from something like things are going to constantly repeat right unless you are able to fully digest and 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 atone for the sins and like the south has so many sins that these things are just going to repeat and going to haunt until you like you really atone for these things so yeah that's that's my book my short story my my, my little my little faulkner story that i think you should go read right after I will. That sounds really good. Have you read The Devil all the time? No. What is this? By Donald. Did you watch the Netflix movie? Or... The Devil all the time? Mm-hmm. No. By Donald Ray Pollock. I see it classified as Southern Gothic, and it has the Southern Gothic feel, but I think, I don't know, when I was reading it, I'm like, technically this is set in Ohio. <laughs> but, like, so is Beloved, though. Yeah, 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 for sure. 
but it is all of these interconnected stories. I mean, it is about people fighting the devil all the time in this like evilness. But like one of the vignettes is this like father and son, um, and the mother is dying of cancer, and like the father becomes like kind of goes into this like manic religious state where he believes that he needs to like keep sacrificing things to keep his wife alive and he has this like makeshift cross he made on their property and he like takes things out there and like sacrifices them well this sounds really really familiar wait is this from the same guy that did like Bly Manor or Mm -mm. no because he also did something that was kind of southern okay I'll have to look this up that sounds fascinating so religion religion is one of those things yeah like how am I going to pull this into this house you know like Cause I have my own, like, especially growing up in the South, like, you know, yeah. as a youngster, I have my own, my own issues with religion. I mean, it's so much a part of Southern culture. It really is. You know, it really is. Cause there's like, there's so much stuff we don't, I don't even want to go into it, but like, there's so much stuff. There's another quote, um, from Flannery O'Connor that I really love. And I don't want to get this wrong. So let me actually give this a, uh, a quick peek. Anything that comes out of the South is going to be called grotesque by the Northern reader, unless it is grotesque, in which case it is going to be called realistic. And I love this because I think religion really has a play in this. And it's like, I feel it's too easy to be like Christian hypocrisy is like the theme that we want to talk about in Southern Gothic. It's like, it's not, it's kind of a, like a low blow. It's a cheap, cheap shot. I think there's more nuance there. And I think that it's like, like what like is a, a, a law abiding God fearing citizen and then what is like being repressed under that mm-hmm. is really interesting oh, yeah. to think about. And like what is like when we think of grotesque, it means that it's like oriental, like there's an or, it's oriented to like what is considered normal and like good. Right. And so like that's what I'm trying to figure out, like with religion, like what is a <laughs> What is a more nuanced, com- complex way of of discussing like religion in the South that isn't just like you like hypocritical mm-hmm. like Christians? It's just not fair, you know what I mean? Like because there's like humanity under it, and so yeah, yeah, it's something I I want to explore more. So I'm just yeah, I'm really curious. I feel like a lot of Southern Gothic has like the one you know church lady that is like well-meaning and like never misses a service and like cares about her neighbors and like baked goods and checks in on everyone like there is that aspect of it too it's like this is our culture like I care for the people around me and care for my community yeah absolutely and like I think that so when I started the stall house, honestly, I was like, I was, it was like when tr- it was like the end, the end of Trump, <laughs> I was like really mad. Right. Mm-hmm. I was really mad for a lot of reasons, like during that. And so I wanted to like pull in like all the things I was mad about that. I like really like thought a lot of like, like Midwest or like Southern people, like really, like, and I was like, I need to like show the like underbelly of da da da. And then I really started researching. I was like, that is super not fair. It's not fair to like, to, to, it's not black or white. People are all very complex. And most of us are coming from a position of wanting to be good. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and that's what I think, like, I think in really sitting down and researching and looking into these stories that are being told, like from, especially during this era of like the mid-century, like the the, Flannery, the the black and white, you know, films that we think about, like 
they they are a bit boring but like if you actually sit and like read them and sit with like what they're trying to say it's like it's the conversation like the, it's the in between the lines i think that is really is really important for us to to try to learn because i think that these are voices that come from the south that are truly progressive like and if they live right now they would be even more progressive like they're they're really trying to push the boundary and do do what they can i think with uh -huh. like what they what they were given at the time but still holding like they're such beautiful people coming from these areas that are not all good or all bad and that's what i really like about it i think yeah the nuance yeah it's the nuance it's good stuff but it makes it hard to like do an art project around nuance, dude. I mean, it's like it's so much easier to be like, this is like the obvious, like, you know, <laughs> I mean, I kind of dance with like between like back and forth, like, especially when I'm just, when I, when I really like look at the stuff I'm doing, I'm not, I, I am starting to write a little bit of a book to like show what the dollhouse is. But like when I, when I really sit down, I'm like looking at it, I'm like, how, all of these ideas in my head are not necessarily coming across like in, in this dollhouse, um, I need to. Um, it's 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 the it's the black and white stuff that is like kind of obvious that that is easier to portray. So I'm still trying to figure out how to um, communicate that nuance. Yeah, I mean, especially in like a visual medium like that. Yeah, it's not easy. It's but these difficult. conversations are so fun because they help me kind of like think through it. So work, work through stuff. Yeah, yeah, glad to help. Well, my final pick is a YA novel, it is The River Has Teeth by Eric Waters. And I'm just going to read the blurb. Natasha's sister is missing. Her car was found abandoned on the edge of a local nature preserve known as The Bend. But as the case goes cold, Natasha's loss turns to burning anger. She'll do anything to find answers. Della's family has channeled magic from The Bend for generations, providing spells for the desperate. But when Natasha appears on her doorstep, Della knows it'll take more than simple potions to help her. But Della has her own secrets to hide because Della thinks she knows the beast who is responsible for the disappearance. Her own mother, who has turned into a terrible monster by magic gone wrong. Oh, I love these YA blurbs. They remind me of the Fear Street shit that I used to read back in the day. It's like, mm, tell me more. I'm going to find this book. I'm going to read it. Yeah. <laughs> so Natasha's angry. Della has little to lose. And they are each other's only hope. That's right. Yeah, they are. That's great. So you just read it? Yeah, I really liked this. It was fun. It was a, a sapphic YA story. So, you know, like yeah natasha's kind of like this rich girl or she comes off that way like you find out later she was a, a foster head who was adopted by this like wealthy family and Della's family has been um kind of secluded swamp witch people for generations so they like keep to themselves and like channel magic from the the bend and the nature around them but like people go to them for like the like make my husband pay yeah <laughs> yeah oh, i like it I love it. Is this the last book you read? Okay. I think it was. How many books do you read a week? Tell me. Uh, right now it's been like maybe one because my daughter is like one and a half, like it's almost two. And it is. <laughs> it's amazing. It's so impressive. I'm so curious. Like, cause I, I have, again, it's like this, I can, I, I'm trying to find a balance between like making, working and reading. Mm -hmm. 
Do you have like a, do you have a, a routine? Like what has really helped you make sure like you get the stuff like read? Audiobooks have been a big help just so I can feel like I'm getting stuff done while getting other stuff like mundane tasks done. Um, I find that it has been much harder to find time to like sit and read a story. So it's been just like squeezing time here and there, like reading on the Kindle app on my phone when I can't fall asleep or like when the kids are watching something or playing video games, like just sitting there and reading for a bit, just like squeezing as much as we can out of the little moments. Cause I don't have like the free hour or two hours. Do you, um, do you usually read on your Kindle or, or audiobooks versus like paper or? I kind of do all of it. Mm-hmm. I kind of do a little bit of, of everything. I kind of, I think my ideal is to have one of each going at all times. So like one audiobook, one Kindle book that I like pick up when I have, have a you, Have you like found yourself physical. like loving like a Kindle or digital book? Like, and then just like literally like you read it, but you have to buy the, the what just to put it on your shelf. <laughs> I've definitely trophy, done that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's a trophy. I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. I'm going to, I need to try to, to find more balance with that. Cause I have so many books that I want to read and like, well, you could listen to audiobooks while you do your should. I house. have really like, um, I've, have you heard of the morbid podcast? I think so. I love morbid. So they, they like, they have these listener stories. I'm really into like the true like story. Like, like I've uh, put a couple things out where I'm like, I'm so curious about people's um, uh, family secrets. And like, I've gotten like hundreds. I'm telling you, girl, I, I should run this again. It's my absolute. And I, if you're interested, I would love to share some of these family secrets that people oh have like decided in me. I tell them like, please don't let it be like an open case. Like, I don't want to be a part of like, you know, <laughs> like, I don't want to be a witness. Like, you're going to be subpoenaed. For- <laughs> like, there have been a few where I'm like, okay, thank you very much for telling me this, but let's like pretend this never happened. <laughs> like, I don't need to know this. Um, but Okay, my favorite one that someone told me, um, it, it won the contest um, where I gave them um, a Fran. Have you heard of Frances Glessner Lee? So this yeah. is the fourth yeah. one. So when I discovered her, I'm like, what a baddie. So rad, right? And so I love the idea of like taking the concept of like what she was doing, but applying it to books. Um, so she's so great. So I use that as like uh, the bait, like, please tell me your fun stories. Cause I love to hear them. So my favorite one, and it was so freaking scary for me. She's like, my uncle, um, was a, like, he would pour cement. Um, and he would make like speed bumps and like, he got really drunk and told us like towards the end of his life. A lot of this is like, it's like deathbed stuff or like yeah. family members will like tell their secrets. Um, and he, I guess like had like murdered somebody and put them in a speed bump. And they're like, ever since, like, I've learned that, like every speed bump I go over, I'm like, is there a body under it? And so I'm like, oh my God, Uh, that has been, that that has stuck with me. Right. So, I mean, I don't drive because I live in San Francisco, but I Uber. And so whenever we go over a speed bump, I'm always like, oh my God, maybe there's a body. No, I'm going to think that. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, family secrets are so great. And I just love these listener stories. They're so good. It's pretty I have wild. A lot of, like, I have a lot of like, um, like just a couple degrees, like away from serial killers, like, which is so crazy, like knowing how many people are, have been affected by the things that so like true crime for me, like, it's interesting to, I, again, maybe this is why I like Southern Gothic, because it's more like romanticized, right? It's mm-hmm. like, 
it's not super like real it's it's like a ghost story um but true crime like is sometimes like I, I like I skip over like I don't need to hear about Bundy anymore like that kind of stuff I'm just like it's just too much for me but like the the spookier stuff like family secrets I think are really fun um but mm -hmm. things are are real you know I mean it's sometimes especially like when you're like really into like the horror genre it's it's easy to associate um but like the real stuff you just have to be very aware that um real people are affected by them yeah and they they ripple you know so I think culturally there's been more of a discussion about that regards to how we consume true crime content yeah some podcasts I do not listen to and they're very popular um that are all like true crime just because of like how it's delivered mm -hmm. um but then there are some that are just very respectful and I think that's like truly for me like yeah the difference but I love the book podcasts because they're like, you know, more fictional <laughs> and I like, I like them in theory, I think more than like in reality. So that's where I met. Yeah. That's the way I like that. Oh yeah. And for listeners who are not aware of who Frances was, she yeah. was a miniaturist who did like dioramas of crime scenes. And I forget what police department it was. It was Boston, right? Cause she went like, it was Harvard. Yeah, but I think she's in, she's in Baltimore. Okay. Well, like another, so if you go to Baltimore, like go see like where um, Edgar Allan Poe lived and also Francis Glessner Lee, like we call it 18 Tiny Deaths. The gentleman, mm -hmm. I don't remember his name because I'm so bad with names, but he is kind of the curator of her work. Um, and if you really want to see them, I think it's private. So you'd have to message him and ask, but he's very open. Uh, but she's considered to be the godmother of modern forensics. And what she did was she made um, these 18 um, little dioramas that showed real uh, crime scenes. And mm -hmm. they still use it to this day for like forensic pathologists and, and detectives to uh, try to figure out what had happened, who done it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I just love that idea of like um, something that is still used. Um, so she was an artist, but she was also, you know, a detective. She was like in the crime, the crime thing. This is in like the thirties, man. This is yeah. nuts and that it's still relevant. It is crazy. And if listeners want to know more about that, I recommend Savage Appetites for Stories of Women, Crime, and Obsession by Rachel Monroe. She is like one of the people that she like goes into and studies. And it's also a book about uh, true crime and societal relationship to true crime and like the female obsession with love true it crime. yeah wait wait what was this called again it's rachel um it's called savage appetites for true stories of women crime and obsession awesome i love it and so also for her that's um the nutshell studies um is if you want to look at her dioramas they're called it's the nutshell studies and then the gentleman that is also the curator made a book called 18 tiny deaths Ooh, I want to look at that because that one did want to know more about that. And then I know for people that know that I really like that Maureen Johnson, uh, really devious series. The last installment of that, like the summer camp one had a diorama aspect to it. And like the book was dedicated to Francis Glessner Lee. So. Oh, <laughs> called? What'd you say? Uh, I, I think it's the box in the woods, but it's like a YA 
like mystery series. You are just, I love it. Like, you know, so much about books. It's so great. Let's be friends, please. <laughs> I love it. Every time I see you on TikTok, I'm like, oh my gosh, she has more stuff. Like more stuff. Like, so I've been keeping this list and I'm like, oh, I have zero time. But now that I know I should start listening to books more than trying to actually read. <laughs> I think that's a really good, that's a really good tip. It helps. I mean, I know some people aren't audiobook people. And I get that. But like when I discovered audiobooks, my life like changed. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I was thinking like someone had told me they're like, have you ever thought of I mean, my voice right now because I've been drinking like I sound a little I go into like my valley girl because I'm like from the Bay Area. Right. They like, but they're like, you should um, you should totally do one of those audiobooks. I'm like, mm, and then I started looking into it. I'm like, that would be so fun. I would love that. Absolutely. So I started looking into it and you can do it. Like you can audition for these books and people can like pick your voice. Yeah. Not, I don't need another project. I don't, I don't <laughs> have time to read, but maybe that'll give me the opportunity to read. Like if I get paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> get fun. Create a little studio in your house. I follow a lot of audiobook narrators on TikTok and they show their little like soundproof box that they've like created. Yeah. And like, I mean, like I'm looking from. at your studio setup. It's super impressive listeners you have no idea what I'm she has like a legit like professional mic like I see some um computer things in the background this is our uh, work from home space <laughs> and so and you have a guitar are you a guitarist uh, no my husband plays okay <laughs> one thing I like is to ask our guests for a final girl song to add to our Spotify playlist so what do you pick oh I love perfume genius so much um when I was watching Mr. Robot there's a scene that played their their song queen and i have just been obsessed ever since and um we were talking a little earlier about like it's so when i was going through your list that people have have chosen she wants revenge was like i feel like that's been like i love that song so much it's so good but when i think of like that moment of what like final girl would I be? And like, what would that, that moment of like catharsis be? I love the idea of being like, don't you know your queen? <laughs> like, I just love it. Um, and it just being like, after having gone through all of that um, and, you know, rising above all of it and just kind of being the general badass. So uh, queen by perfume genius is for me. I love it. I did listen to it like that. So I think. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So good. What's yours? It's Buzzkill by Mothica. I'm, I'm really shocked. No one said Final Girl by Churches. I do have a Churches song on there. Someone picked. Yeah, I saw that. But there's like this whole thing like where she like, put, like covers herself in blood. I love Churches. They're so great. And it's like literally called Final Girl. You should listen to it. Well, it's been so awesome chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on. You were the perfect guest for going into Southern Gothic. People have been asking for Southern Gothic for forever. So, Well, I hope we gave them what they were looking for. Sorry, I got a little tipsy. <laughs> like Saturday. <laughs> we don't vibe check on the weekends. Joy. I like really, really enjoy hanging out with you. You're just, you're just a sweet lady. So let's definitely keep in touch. And I can't wait to see all the stuff that you bring to the TikTokerverse. Oh, I love the books so much. that you, yeah, I love the books that I've you. I've been loving seeing the, the dollhouse come together. So yes, cool. I am, I'm so happy to hear that because sometimes I feel like I'm literally just, again, a girl in my underwear, just playing with her dollies. So <laughs> thank you for, <laughs> thank you for uh, letting me know that it's appreciated. <laughs> it helps. It helps.
か Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Instagram at Books in the Freezer, on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod, on TikTok at Books in the Freezer, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash books in the freezer. If you want to send us an email, you can do that at books in the freezer at gmail.com. Um, the connection on this episode was getting really spotty at the end. So Lauren didn't get to do her plugs, but you can find her on Instagram at Southern Gothic Dollhouse and same on TikTok. And she also has a website that I will link in the show notes. And the website is really cool, has a lot of links. And she actually has a list of Southern Gothic books that she's referenced and has liked. So you can use that as a cool tool. If you'd like to support the podcast, there's a few ways to do that. One of them is to become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com. There's a one, three, and a $5 level. And then a new like once annual pay option where you can be like a $5 supporter for the year. And I think you get like a 5% discount on that or something like that. Um, But check that out if you're interested. There's a lot of perks at the different levels, like early episodes. You get to know what the theme is, like who's coming on. There's a Voxer group chat with other Patreon supporters. You guys can chill and talk books. We also have movie nights, bonus episodes, a bunch of stuff. So if that's interesting to you, check that out at patreon.com slash books in the freezer. Another way to support the podcast is to use the Amazon link in the show notes. That link just takes you to Amazon and you would do your normal Amazon shopping that you would normally do. So like recently, someone used the link to buy some organic pasta. You know what? The possibilities are endless. And thank you to all of you that uh, make purchases using the link. It really helps the show. And if you're thinking, I would love to support the podcast, but I want to do it in a way where I don't have to spend any money. You know what? You can absolutely do that. One of the ways to do that is to leave a review on a site like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And I actually have two reviews to read. So here we go. First one is five stars. I really love this pod. My want to read list on Goodreads grows with every episode. I love that they have such diverse content covering core subgenres, recommending readalikes, and interviewing authors. It really has something for anyone interested in horror. Even if every episode doesn't interest you specifically, there's almost certainly something in the feed that will. And that is by EI5257 uh, on Apple Podcasts. So thank you so much. And then another five-star review titled, Love This Pod. It just says, thanks for the great podcast. Love that short, sweet, and to the point. And that is from Clark21. So thank you for taking the time to leave those reviews. It really means a lot. And I mean, from what I know, it boosts visibility and helps other people find the podcast. So thank you again. And of course, sharing about the podcast on things like social media is a huge help. So thank you to all of you. For that. I am Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N on Instagram at that's what she read. And that's that's with two A's. And as I mentioned earlier, I am on TikTok at books in the freezer. So you can also check me out there. So thank you so much and see you next time on books in the freezer. Mm-hmm.